Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. And I'm Dewey Vaughn. Yay, we're your hosts of Cat Talk Radio today. This is the podcast where we help you to take better care of and get more love from your cats. And today we're going to dive into transitioning your cat from dry kibble to a moist diet. And I'm dedicating this episode to Bruce and Landis in Santa Fe that gave me the idea for this podcast. I was over at their house this morning trimming their cat's nails, and we happened onto the topic of feeding cats. And then question came up, well, how do we transition our cat from dry food to a moist diet? So you know, that that brings up a question, though, when you say moist diet, you know, I'm so used to having moist diet and Pico's dietary program where it's, you know, food that we have in the freezer comes out and we put it on hot water and we mix it up and then we feed it to him. But do you mean canned food or are you talking about more of a moister dry food? Oh, I'm referring to canned food. Of course, moist food, also moist meals come in pouches, so cans, pouches, or or frozen raw diets. You know, that seems like a significant, really, dietary change, so why do it? Well, now he's opened up the can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> I love well, at it least people... the worms are moist. <laughs> I love it when people ask me this question at a cocktail party and then they start glazing over after about 40 minutes later and go, I need to get a drink refill. <laughs> now, there are lots of reasons and lots of benefits to switch your cat to a, a wet food, moist diet. And first and foremost, wet food contains, of course, a higher moisture content, right? That's kind of basic. And that keeps your cat hydrated, right? In the wild, we need to think about what they eat. They're obligate carnivores, so they are going to eat fresh carcass. I mean, there is some argument that they do also eat, you know, carrion. But for the most part, they're going to eat meat, birds, rodents, lizards, things like that. And those things have about 75% water content in them, as does the moist food. Whereas kibble has only 5% water content. So think about that. If you're feeding a primarily dry kibble diet, then your cat cannot help but be mildly dehydrated. Why is that? Because cats don't drink enough water. Why? Because they're descendants of African wildcats, right? They're, their whole nature and inherently they do not drink water. In fact, there are some species of cats, as we learned from little Nathan a couple of weeks ago in our podcast, there are some species of cats that don't drink water at all. And our domestic house cats are very close to those. So they're not wired to drink a lot of water. 
I've had people tell me, well, my cat drinks lots of water. And I'm like, yeah, because it's dehydrated as crap and you're, you know, because you're feeding dry food. And it's trying. Its body is just crying out for hydration. But a cat cannot possibly drink enough water to make up for what it's not getting in a natural diet or a diet that's giving it 75% water content, right? Now, what happens if your cat is mildly dehydrated their whole life? Well, it leads to urinary tract issues and, you know, oftentimes stones and crystals and sludge and stuff like that in the bladder and oftentimes renal issues. And renal failure is one of the leading causes of death in cats, medical causes of death. We all know shelter euthanasia is the number one cause of death. So wet food, just bottom line, is a great way to combat this problem, right? You know, that's a crucial point that you're making and an interesting point that a lot of people probably never think about. And let's not forget that wet food is often more palatable to cats. You know, it seems like it's just got a stronger aroma, meatier texture, you know, can be very appealing to certain taste buds. But for picky eaters, this can be a game changer, I think. But what do you think if you have a cat that is absolutely finicky and will not eat the wet? What do you do then? I hear this all the time. I hear it all the time. People say, my cat won't eat wet food. I've tried. I've tried everything. My cat won't eat wet food. And, you know, some of them are more difficult than others. But I think we've got to start with, you know, we got to make sure we're not manifesting that, right? Manifestation is a powerful thing, people. And if you have it made up in your mind that your cat is not going to eat wet food, well, got news for you. It won't. So make up your own mind first that you're going to do the hard work needed to find a wet food that your cat likes, right? Because as you said, it is typically more palatable, but finding that right food is is just crucial. Now, it's usually based on texture, right? I find that's where you have to start and then then protein sources later, but texture. Cats are really picky about whether they like pâtés, or chunks, or shreds, or gravy, or no gravy. They're real picky about all of that. So that's where you got to start. Well, you know, I've heard is that maybe you answer this question. Uh, what is, I've always heard that wet food is lower in carbs. Is, is that the truth or not? Yeah, absolutely. Wet food is genuinely, genuinely lower in and carbohydrates and higher in protein too, which aligns with the cat's natural diet as an obligate carnivore. As we said, right? They're eating meat in the wild. You don't see cats out there nibbling on corn and grain and stuff like that. It's just, it's just not what a cat's natural diet is. And when we feed food that is lower in carbohydrates, it helps with weight control and just overall health in general. You know, cats don't need veggies and fruit. I argue, you heard me arguing with that lady at the trade show about that. And <laughs> she was trying to get me to take samples of their food. And it was some, 
you know, veggies and fruit pouch or something for cats. And I'm like, well, no, I don't even want to take it and try it because cats don't need that stuff. Right. And she was arguing, going, cats do. They eat grains, you know, and I'm like, yeah, they eat grains that have been pre-digested in their prey's stomach. So if they eat a rabbit, yes, the rabbit has eaten grass and grains and things like that. But the rabbit digested it before it got to its stomach. Cats just don't have the enzymes needed to break down carbs. And that messes with their blood sugar. And just like us, you know, it high carb diets tend to make us fatter. We can't build lean muscle with a high carb diet. I can spot a dry food fed cat a mile away. They look older and just like us, they have more round body shapes, right? Like our Pico, right? He's fed a raw food diet and he has what we would call a curvy figure. If you look down on your cat, that silhouette of looking down on them is, is what we refer to when we talk about their body scores. And a cat with a, a meat diet is going to have a lot of a lot of muscular to them. So they have more of an hourglass type shape. It's actually got an extra hump than an hourglass, but you get what I mean. They have a curvy shape as opposed to just a smooth, round side to them. Would you transition the raw the same way you would transition to a canned food? No, no, not at all. Not, not at all. And if you're feeding dry kibble only. I recommend that you do what we're talking about in this show. You transition to canned food first, feed that for at least a year, you know? I mean, you're already doing so much better than you were before, but if you if you're determined to get to a raw food diet, um which obviously I recommend cuz I feed, but feed them the canned food for at least a year and then transition from canned to raw. And and that's a whole nother, you know, probably not whole podcast, but how you make that transition is different from what we're talking about today. But make sure that feeding raw is right for you too, because if you or anyone in your house has a compromised immune system, maybe feeding and handling raw food isn't the right thing. Now it's no different than handling raw chicken. You know, when you're going to go grill chicken and you get it out of its package and it's raw chicken, we know that there's a lot of bacteria in the blood and moisture and juices that come off that raw chicken. Same thing with raw cat food, right? So it may not be for you or your household. It's gotten a whole lot easier to buy. You know, I remember I used to make homemade raw food and you can certainly do that. Again, that's a whole nother podcast, but um that is available, good quality raw food. We feed Roar, R-A-W-R, and uh, love its limited ingredients. And it's got good, you know, good bones and, and organs and things like that. And again, a whole other podcast on feeding senior cats and bones and phosphorus and stuff like that. But um, we'll, we'll jump into that in a different episode. Let's stick on transitioning from kibble to wet food in this this podcast. Okay, so if someone has decided to make the switch from canned food, how to should they go food. about it? Not from canned food. You mean to canned food, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Toucan okay. food. Because we I was would, thinking we were talking uh, about going to raw food because I'm so I'm so used to doing raw food on our end, you know, I think, you know, switch because <laughs> you always say, you know, canned food, you know, you like raw food better than canned food. So I'm always thinking about the differences in the two. So how should they go about doing it? What's the best first step? Well, the transition should be gradual. And and we're talking dry food to canned food here because I certainly yeah. don't like I said, raw foods, a, a whole other episode. So if you're feeding kibble. You know, the first thing you need to remember is anything you do in inch you're going to change in your cat's environment needs to be gradual because cats can be quite suspicious of changes going on in their environment. Right. They rely on predictability and reliability. It, it gives them a sense of control. Right. So they they like to have choices, but they also got to have control and when they know what's going to happen in their in their environment what the routine is then then they feel like they have control and everything's fine things start to change up and we remove that control from a cat then they can get very insecure and that's when behavior and health issues can begin to appear so go gradually with this change that's the first step so would you recommend mixing a little of the wet with the dry food? No, not at all. You know, I can remember as a kid, we had we had a dog and I was in charge of feeding the dog. And I would take a cup of kibble and a can of Alpo and I would mix it all together with some hot water and feed the dog. And it just as I was talking to little Nathan about in this last episode, you know, people treat their cats and see their cats and think about cats like they do dogs because it's what we've always had. But no, we don't want to do that because dogs eat meals like us, right? Dogs are just fine with two meals a day. But cats are snackers. They eat little tiny amounts of food at a time. Their stomachs are really tiny. When full, their stomachs are about the size of a ping pong ball, which is tiny compared to their other organs, like other species. Their stomachs in relation to their other organs are quite big. But with a cat, it's it's really small. So it's natural in a wild for the cat to eat, you know, 10 to 20 small meals a day. So they're going to eat little tiny bits at a time. And once dry kibble is moistened and it sits well, then bacteria begins to grow in it. And it can give them, you know, upset stomach, intestinal issues, stuff like that. And once a cat associates a discomfort, like pain, just like you, when you drink a particular wine or, you know, drink half and half or eat pork or something like that, your stomach immediately begins to hurt. And you go, I'm not drinking or eating that stuff anymore. Yeah. You know, right? And so it's yeah. just like that with cats, you know, if they eat something and then they have diarrhea or they eat something and it makes their stomach hurt, they're not going to want to eat it again. So we absolutely don't want to introduce any bacteria to that, which is what happens when you mix the canned moist food with dry food. So do you suggest just going cold turkey? Well, 
as again, we, we it needs to be gradual. And that's a good question because it's like, well, if you don't mix it in, then how do we do this gradually? And this is funny because this I'm going to tell you a story about learned behavior first. You know, I talk a lot about learned behavior in my in my shelter training programs because in a shelter setting with a cat who's very afraid about being in the shelter, they they develop what we call learned behaviors, right? They learn if they hiss and lunge at the kennel door, people will go away. So they go, aha, that worked. And they do it more, all right? So one of our techniques is not going away when they lunge and hiss, but waiting for calm behavior instead. So that's an example of a learned behavior. Another learned behavior would be, um, like Nathan talked about, his little cat goes mew, mew. And every time the cat goes mew, they give it a treat or they feed it and they pay attention to it. Anytime we're, the cat is doing something and we're responding to it favorably, then it can become a, a learned behavior. And I share with you that because somebody told me the other day, uh, a behavior their cat had. And I went, oh my gosh, that's the first time I've heard this as a learned behavior. But the cat loves dry food. He's one of these people that said, my cat won't eat wet food, right? So the cat learned that it can't have its dry food until it eats the wet food, right? So yes, in essence, it's cold turkey, but there's a little psychology here. So here's what I recommend you do. You pull up all the dry food. It's not a choice. You don't put down wet and, oh, if the cat eats the wet, then that's got to be the better thing for it. If it wants to continue to eat the dry, then that's the better thing. That's not the way this is done. We all know already the wet food is better. So pull up the dang dry food, right? Give it a very small amount of wet food, like one-eighth to one-quarter of a can right? Add some hot water to warm it up because when we warm up moist food, it tends to have a better aroma, a stronger aroma. And the stronger it smells, the more interested the cat will be into it. So in fact, we installed one of those instant hot water spigots on our sink just so that we could waste the less water <laughs> waiting for it to get warm when we feed the cat four times a day. So when the cat eats it, so just put a little bit down, like a teaspoon, half a teaspoon. And when the cat eats it, then give it maybe a tablespoon of dry food as a reward, right? If the cat doesn't eat it, let's say it just looks at it, turns its nose up, then looks at you usually like, okay, well, where's my kibble? And you just turn around and walk away and ignore it. Don't give in to all the antics and oh, the antics can get serious, right? They can start scratching the furniture, they can start howling, biting, all kinds of things to get you to feed them the dry food because they're so <laughs> addicted. And it is, it's an addiction. Just like with people, we get addicted to carbs. Well, cats get addicted to carbs too, but it doesn't mean it's good for them. So we kind of have to help them through this addiction. So you can feed it a tiny bit of wet food and then reward it with a tiny bit of dry food and then start increasing that, right? So if it eats the wet food, then, you know, and if it absolutely won't eat the wet food, let's say it goes an entire day. And I've had people go, oh, it hasn't eaten anything for a day. It's going to starve to death. I promise you, your cat is not going to starve itself to death. 
a cat can go probably three days without eating before it starts affecting its liver. So one day, don't worry. Second day, try a different moist food, right? But don't give in. This is a battle of the wills. And you, this would be like a kid that only ate Snickers bars. And you're like, you got to eat your vegetables. So then you start using the Snicker bars as a reward. You eat that cup of broccoli and I'll give you a Snicker bar. Otherwise, no Snicker bars ever again. And then you increase the broccoli and eventually the cat eats. I mean, the kid eats the broccoli. Cats don't eat broccoli, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> No kidding. Okay, so... Uh... Are you buying a lot of different textures, as you mentioned earlier? Yeah. So, again, this is where you start. Go to the pet food store and buy two cans of every texture you can find. And you'll need pate, you'll need shreds, you'll need chunks, you need extra gravy, you need no gravy, right? Just two of every. And, and the reason you buy two is because that'll give you an extra day once they hit on something that they like, right? So most, all pet stores will take back any unopened cans. So you're going to start day one. You're going to open up a can. And yes, you do waste some food during this process. Don't worry about that, all right? It's a small price to pay. You Trust me, you'll make that back tenfold and once you save in vet bills down the line. But you open a can, you give them that tiny amount, right? And then... They eat it if they like it and they go, oh, man, that was good. Knock your socks off. Good. Well, great. Then take all the rest of the cans back and return them for more of that. Right. Don't worry a lot about variety. That's a people thing. We anthropomorphize this onto our cats and we think, well, I wouldn't want to eat chicken every day. You know, you really can feed your food chicken every day. It's it's probably better to feed them a little bit of a variety of protein, but stick to land animals for protein sources. And I'm going to do a whole nother episode coming up on why we don't want to feed fish. And so I won't go into a lot of detail about that here. Just know that chicken, turkey, rabbit, that kind of stuff, that's much better and more natural for a cat. There are a lot of brands that mix like chicken and herring and, you know, turkey and salmon and things like that. And as long as the land animal is listed as an ingredient source before the fish, so it's more of it, that's, that's okay. But you know what? Really, the bottom line is any wet food, the cheapest, nastiest wet food out there is better than the best, most expensive dry food you could ever buy. You know, I've heard you often say that quite a bit. So are there uh, better brands uh, than than others? You know, it's uh, Bruce and Landis asked me that this morning. And the way I told them, I said, you go to the pet food store and there's two aisles and it's like shopping in the grocery store, right? There's a junk food aisle and then there's an organic food aisle. So when you hit the friskies and stuff like that, you're probably in the junk food aisle, go to the other aisle. And then really any brand is okay. Again, any wet food brand is better than any dry food diet. But if you really want to get a quality food, there are five things, you know, read the ingredient label. And yes, you'll probably have to take your cheaters or a magnifying glass because they printed in like two point type size, but <laughs> avoid byproducts corn, 
wheat, gluten, and soy, right? You want a food that is rich in animal protein and low in fillers. So fillers would be things like grain and corn. You want to look for complete and balanced meals on the front, right? They can't say that unless the food has all the nutrients that your cat needs. So it's real important that you're buying a, a balanced meal, not just, um, not just, you know, um, a treat, a wet treat. Now, I will tell you, though, that wet treats do have a role in this. So if you can get your cat onto, like Lick and Lap, for instance, right? Every cat likes Lick and Lap. So one of the first things you might do is buy a bunch of Lick and Lap, get your cat addicted to that, which shouldn't take but a minute, and then start putting the Lick and Lap on the moist cat food. So when you put down that tiny bit of moist cat food, Put a little lick and lap icing on top and they're going to go, oh yeah, there's that crack stuff I love. And they'll eat the little bit of food and then give them a little bit of dry as a reward. And then the next meal, feed them a little bit more of the food, still with a little bit of lick and lap. And you start pulling back the lick and lap and you start pulling back the dry food so that you're increasing each meal with more and more and more of the wet food. But you can use those moist treats as incentive toppers, attractant toppers, but when you buy the canned food, it needs to be a complete and balanced meal. Okay, so let's discuss the particulates of feeding wet food. What are some of the best practices? Well, okay, so there's several things. First of all, like we said in the wild, they're going to eat 10 to 20 small meals a day, so you want to feed frequently, little meals frequently. We feed Pico five times a day. Right, We feed him in person if we're here about 30 minutes after we get up. We feed him a lunch. We feed him a supper. And then we feed him again right before we go to bed. And then we put a timer out to feed him again at 3 a.m. That keeps him from meowing in the middle of the night and being crazy. And he's calm and sleeps with us all night long. And so, if you know, I, I can hear everybody now going, well, that's just ridiculous. I work. I'm gone eight hours a day. How am I going to do that? There's great timers, right? There's super timers out there. Go to our website, catbehaviorsolutions.org, and go to the resources section and look at the nutrition and food section under resources and scroll down and there's several timers there. There's cheap ones, like 20 bucks for a timer that comes with a cold pack. So there's no reason you can't use, I'm not there often enough to feed them four meals a day as an excuse for continuing to feed dry food. Now, one thing we didn't talk about is when to pick it up, right? You give the cat 30 minutes to eat the wet food and then you pick it up because otherwise it'll it'll start growing bacteria, which is why having a timer with a good cold pack is is very important. Okay, so one of the other things that you may not have mentioned that I will mention is the important aspect of maintaining good hygiene making sure to clean your cat's food and water dishes regularly to prevent the growth of any harmful bacteria or slime yep. uh, get a, you know water gets slime a lot one of the things that we've started using is those power don sprayers which uh, you can just kind of squeeze and shoot the shoot the uh, the product in there and wash it out really good. 
Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I learned that from our neighbor, Janet. I was over there cat sitting for her and, and she's got that Dawn power wash, I think it's called, and it sprays out foam. And I thought, oh, that stuff is great. And then of course I Googled it to make sure it was safe for pets and, and it's a Dawn product. So it is. And we started using that on our food dishes and water dishes and just make sure we're rinsing them out real good. You know, another practicality of feeding wet food that we should probably talk about too is the storage of the leftovers, right? Because you you want to, people also ask, how much do I feed? So let's start there. I always say feed one large can. By large, I mean the five and a half ounce can. So if you're going to feed four meals a day, you can divide that into quarters and you're going to, every morning, going to open it up, feed it a quarter, add some hot water to it. Now you got three quarters of a can left over. Do not put a lid or aluminum foil on it and store it. Once that air touches the can, it emits a bitter flavor. And some cats won't eat leftovers, right? They'll eat that first little bit you scoop out, but then they won't eat any of the leftovers. And that can be because you're storing it in the can. So we use a mason jar. I just, I scoop out the other three quarters of the can, put it in the mason jar. And then I run our hot water from our instant hot faucet in the bottom of the can to get all the little extra juices and particulates in there. And I feed it, you know, put it on the food. And then I toss the can into the recycle bin and I put the mason jar into the refrigerator. Because again, we got to keep it cold. Otherwise, bacteria is going to grow in about 30 minutes. Now, when it comes time for lunch, that food's cold. Is that natural? No. Cats like to eat fresh prey, right? So it's warm. It's hard as still beating kind of thing. (laughs) And so we've got to warm it up. So how do we warm it up? We do not put it in the microwave because that cooks it and changes it. So do not warm up your cat food in the microwave. Just pull it out maybe 30 minutes in advance of serving it up. Let it sit and get to room temperature. You can float it in hot water just like you would a baby bottle to warm it up. And this is kind of treated exactly like you would if you were feeding a baby. I never had kids. I never had to do that. But that's what I've heard, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, store it out of the can and heat it up smartly and naturally so that the cat is more drawn to it. Okay, so this is a very important topic, and I'm sure that, you know, if anybody uh, gets a chance to uh, listen to it and think somebody else might have an opportunity or maybe somebody else is thinking of changing up food or has that question, just share the podcast with them. That'll help. But maybe the best change you can make for your cat is changing it from the dry food to the wet food. I think Molly has done this and said this quite often. And I think it's a real thing. And it should be listened to. Without a doubt. This is the most important thing you can possibly do for your cat. I, I promise you. You know, do cats live their whole lives eating nothing but dry food? Sure. They they survive. We always say a cat can survive off dry food. Do they thrive off dry food? No, right? A cat's going to thrive off a natural diet, whatever a natural species diet is. And in this case, that's moist food. That's the way to start. So, yes, this could be the best change you you ever do and it it is takes a little work on your part so you know get in there and and do it do the work and make it happen because otherwise 
you know, you might as well just have a child that eats nothing but Snicker bars their whole lives. And then you wonder why they're diabetic as, as adults. All right. See, we want to do what's best for our family members and this is it. So well, thank you great. for this episode. Great. Yes. And, and we hope everyone has enjoyed this episode and we really want to thank Bruce and Landis uh, for letting you think about this this morning. So very thoughtful questions they brought up. I'd like to say to those out there listening, if you have more questions or topics you'd like us to cover, please don't hesitate to email them to molly at cattalkradio.com. She would yeah. love, love to see that interaction. Absolutely. And you can help us other ways, too. When you go to our site, either at cattalkradio.com or catbehaviorsolutions.org, we have a store with some excellent products it's this time of year we try to bring in new things because it's right before christmas holidays and so there's all kinds of fun stuff we have a holiday pack that we've put together that's a really good value so go to our store because every bit of those proceeds go to our nonprofit. also this is a complete volunteer run nonprofit business right we don't take any salaries out none zero we don't pay, do we, believe it or not? Oh, even we... no. <laughs> oh, sh- I thought you were gone. No. <laughs> uh, not even. No, we do this because we we want to help shelter animals. We want to help you take better care of your cat. And we want to help you bond better with your cat. And, you know, we're going to keep doing this as long as shelter. Shelter euthanasia is the, is number, the number one, one cause, cause of, death of death in cats. In cats. Absolutely sad fact. Thanks for tuning in today, folks. Until next time, keep calm and purr on. Yes, thank you, everybody. Goodbye. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.